0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and 10. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Then the, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim to it a message I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was very a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city and he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God, and they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And when God saw what they had done and how they had turned from their evil ways, he had compassion, and it did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed. Draw us nearer to you, in closer relationship to you, so that as those words land in our hearts, that they may grow and be fruitful by the actions of our lives, so that we would not just be merely hearers of your word, but doers. Of your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. It's one of those weekdays in the church office. The secretary was there doing some work and the senior ministry had just come in and they were just sort of having one of those idle chit-chatty conversations and the phone rang and she picked it up. Hello, she said. And the voice on the other end said, I want to speak to Boss Hogg. And she said, excuse me? And he goes, you know, the senior minister, the big pig at the trough. Now, the minister, not really hearing this exchange, was curious by the look on the secretary's face, and she said, much to the senior minister's pleasure, we would never, ever refer to our senior minister in such mundane barnyard animal terms to even so much as to call him a swine of any sort. And the man on the phone said, Well, I really wanted to talk to him about a large donation. And she said, how big of a donation? And he goes, about $40,000. And with that, she looks at the senior minister and starts shuffling her arms like, go to your phone. And she says, Porky's on his way right now. The poor minister must have had that look of mere betrayal. To think how humbling it was for this moment to be puffed up and held in such high esteem only to be quickly turned. But isn't that how life is for us where we think so highly of ourselves and then there's just one moment that brings us low and back to earth. Jonah had that sort of an experience. He had that familiar, humbling sense about him. When God first called him to ministry, Jonah didn't want to do it. As a matter of fact, he ran from God, as we know. When he was told to go to Nineveh, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, none whatsoever. So he got on a boat to sail to Tarsus. And as he's going along in this boat, the weather turns up and the sailors start accusing him of being the reason for their misfortune. And when Jonah finally confesses that in fact he might be we know what happens, right? Jonah gets tossed overboard. He gets swallowed up by a big fish. And it's in that moment that Jonah starts to yield in his despair, yield to God's will. Much like we talked about last week, he began to have that upward focus and the realization that God was calling him to something bigger. And with that, he was spit out upon the land, so says the text. And it's here where our lesson picks up today. God speaks to him a second time, and he says, go to Nineveh. The deal hasn't changed, obviously. Go to Nineveh. And what we know about Nineveh is it's the home of the Assyrians. The text says it's an important city. It would require a three-day stay, meaning it's a big city. Go to Nineveh. But this is the part where it gets tricky. He says, I will give you the message to teach. See, the humbling piece of this is that while Jonah is called, it's not his message. He's the messenger. It's God's message that he has to convey, not even his own words, but God's words. And so Jonah goes and he confesses that thing and that message of mercy and justice, mercy and judgment. And in yielding to God, he begins to preach, and the text records that Nineveh repents, believes in the gospel, and is spared. Last week, you and I, we began our journey for that closer relationship with God. and the first part of that journey, remember, was that upward focus, much like what Jonah had. in the first part of John Wesley's prayer, where we surrender to God's will, where we seek God's will, where we seek to go forth and do God's will. Well, now we pick up the second part of this journey, the second part of getting closer to God, where we go from an upward focus to an inward focus. How God's grace manifests itself in us and through us. In John Wesley's prayer, the second part of it says, let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Let me be exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. You see, when we pray this part of the prayer, the focus turns from God, but within and our relationship. It's structured along this ideals of being honored by God, but also humbled by God. It's about the denial of ourself and the service of our Lord. It's about an active and reflective relationship with God. It's also about being content and committed to serve God. And thirdly, it's about God's provision and a dependence upon God as we focus on our calling. And when we begin this inward journey, this inward expression, we begin to find a satisfaction when our lives are aligned with God's mercy and grace. Just what Jonah found. Remember he said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Those are evil people. And God said, but I need you too. And when he finally yielded, finally humbled himself, he found a great strength in being aligned with God. Let me be employed for thee, let me be laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. See, this part of the prayer is filled with contradictions, but they're done so with a purpose. You think about John Wesley. John Wesley believed in good works, But like so many people, John Wesley did not believe that our works would earn our salvation. Salvation was by grace and by grace alone. That's first and foremost what we believe as Methodists, that we are saved by God's grace. But flowing through that grace, our good works, our good deeds, our living out, our expression of faith is a sign of the grace we've received. So works without faith are just works. But faith without works is dead, so they're inextricably tied together. They have to go together. When we receive God's grace, we are saved, but flowing through that is this idea of working together. So let me be active, or let me be lay aside Meaning, let me be active or let me be reflective. Now, see, an active faith is not a busy faith. Let me be really clear about that. A busy faith is kind of like what used to happen to us, maybe if you were like me, in math class or in chemistry. If you realize the teacher was about to call us, but if you looked down and started scribbling on the paper and looking like you're writing, they wouldn't call on you because you were busy. Or maybe if you're in a group meeting and someone's looking for volunteers, if you don't make eye contact with a person that's seeking volunteers, they won't call on you, right? You've all tried this. Or maybe if you put headphones in, even if you're not listening to music, people won't disturb you because they think you're busy. Or it's like that bumper sticker that you might see like Jesus is coming, look busy. Like we think if we're just doing a lot of activity and stirring things up, people will leave us alone and won't ask for us. We're just busy. We're just making dust. But an active faith is very different. An active faith is one in which we are serving and we are focused on God's love and compassion for the world. And active faith is about the motivation of our heart. Why are we doing it? What's driving us? What is the intent of who we serve? And active faith is about the business of the gospel and not the busyness of life. But while we have an active faith, we also too must have a time of reflection. That's that being laid aside for thee part. I mean, let's face it, we live in a busy go, 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 go world. And sometimes we get sucked right into that chain, right into that energy without thinking about how it impacts the world around us or what maybe God wants us to do or how God might be speaking to us because we are so busy and so active. But when we take rest, Sabbath rest, rest throughout the day to listen to God, we begin to reflect on things, don't we? I mean, that's the whole reason why the Sabbath was created. And it said on the seventh day, God rested and it was good. The whole point of that rest was to physically rest, to emotionally rest, to spiritually rest, so that we might recharge our souls and be ready for life Monday through Saturday to have the right focus To not be busy, but be active about our faith. Being laid aside for thee is about having Sabbath rest, shutting everything off so that we can access and clearly hear what it is that God wants for us. Now we can do that on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, on the day of rest like today, But we can also do this throughout the week, taking a walk in the evening or in the morning. Having that quiet time where our mind is not engaged on the list for the day, but engaged and oriented towards God. Not task oriented, not list list oriented, but God oriented. Let me be employed by thee let me be laid aside for thee. And once we have that figured out, then we begin to hear the next part of that prayer. Let me be full, let me be empty. This is a dichotomy about our heart. It's about contentment and commitment. See, this whole idea about it is life is full. Let me be full for thee. It's about being content where God has placed us and what God has called us to do. It's not about requiring more stuff. It's not about the grass being greener. The grass will always be greener on the other side of the fence, but the key is to be what God wants for us where we are, to content with what God has given us and what God has called us to do today, not to be thinking about tomorrow or the next rung or whatever the next greatest thing is. I have a colleague in ministry, and some years ago, we were in a meeting together and doing what ministers do. How are things going? Where you are? What are you doing? What are you thinking? It was right around appointment season. You know, that season between January and March where the cabinet is meeting. And these are are the words he said to me. He said, you know, I have figured out, after 20 years in ministry, that I am right where God wants me to be. I'm serving in a small town in a rural church, and I hope and I pray that God will let the will guide the cabinet and the bishop and they will just let me stay in this ministry because this is where I thrive. This is what God has called me to do. And so while he can think about a larger church with more programs and a bigger budget and more opportunities, he is content where he is because God has called him to that place. But what also happens with that idea of commitment contentment is not just to be content where you are, but to be the best at what we are, where we are. So I don't know where God has placed you. But maybe that's where God needs you for this season. And so rather than us looking over the fence and thinking about greener pastures and better opportunities, maybe what God is calling us to be is content right where we are, doing what we are and be the best at it that we are. Because the reward that comes from that is that our lives are aligned with God's will. But then here's the second part of that prayer. Let me be full, let me be empty. What that really means is not only let me be content where I am, but let me be wholly committed to it. Let me be all in because the gospel is an all in kind of affair. It's a full contact sport right where we are. See, our relationship with God is just that. God wants every bit of you and me. I think of coaches that I had growing up in high school, coaches that I listened to in college. They talk about all the time one of the cliches they say is, you know, we gave 110%. Mathematically, it's not possible, right? But yet, you know what they mean. We left it all on the field. I have no regrets. See, what this part about being let me be empty means is let me pour myself out until I have put myself wholly into what you, God, have called me to do. Let me pour myself out. Let me hold nothing back. You get every bit of me. I'm all in. What this part of the prayer does is it challenges you and me and our relationship with God to do just that, to, to put ourselves all and not hold anything back. God will know if we're holding back, but you do as well, right? You know when you haven't gone 100% into everything. The gospel requires that for you and for me. And then finally, let me have all things, let me have nothing. See, this juxtaposition is about provision and dependence, let me have all things. It's not about the Sears Roebuck catalog. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You remember that? The big Sears Roebuck catalog was about this thick. It would come out about two months before Christmas. And as kids, you'd lay on the floor and you would circle all the things that you wanted. For those of you who don't remember that, think of it as the Amazon wish list. Going throughout the search in the internet and putting all the things on your Amazon wish list that you could ever want. Well, what this is about, this is not about this list of things, this great wish list in the sky, no, what it's really about is seeking the things from God that we really need, not what we want, but that we really need, not more stuff to jam in a closet, the attic, or even a storage unit, but the things to help us through life. To help us be the people God wants us to be and to do the things God wants us to do. Let me have all things To do what you are calling me to do, God, is what we're really saying. But then becomes this idea of let me have nothing. That's not a it's not a vow of poverty. What it really is, is a a plea for life free from entanglements, which draw us away from God. In other words, let me have all the things that I need to do, what you need me to do, but let me have nothing that's going to distract me from you, that's going to be pulling me from you. It's an honest assessment of our own lives about what draws us away from God. Maybe it's our stuff, maybe it's our ego, our agendas, our fear, our complacency for life. What we're praying is, Lord, take all those things that draw me away and toss them into the dustbin of life. And it drives us to a place of trusting God to provide what we need and to show us what matters most. I mean, think about the simplicity of that. To show us what matters most in life, to give us what we need, and then everything else is just clutter and debris and to let it go. That's the joy of this inward journey is that our lives begin to align, begins to connect with what matters most to us. We begin to realize about the active and reflective part of our relationship with God, where we see what God truly wants us to do. And we're not about busyness, but we're about the business of the gospel. We take time out each week to really reflect on what that means and are we aligned with where God wants us to do. We're content with our calling and we're all in with our commitment and that God will provide because we depend on God to show us and to give us what we need. See, maybe, maybe just maybe one of the byproducts of this time of the pandemic, this extended time when we're not really able to do all the things that normally kept us so busy in life is maybe that we're able to focus inwardly on that relationship with God and what God wants for us and maybe just maybe as we continue our journey on that relationship as we continue that goal that we had to be so much closer to God this year maybe where it leads us on this journey with is that our souls respond the words that we close this part of the prayer with i freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal Meaning, I give my whole self to you. Outwardly, upwardly, and inwardly, I am yours, O Lord. Do with me what you will. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me be content. Let me be committed. Give me what I need. Free me from entanglements. Because in that moment, I am your servant and I am aligned with your calling for my life and what assurance that is, my rock and my redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.